Right? We have ministry environments and such so that we can journey with one another as we make our way toward the, the city of the presence of God, even while experiencing some of those challenges in life. Our second core value here at the Father's House, just so you know, we have four core values, and we would love for every member of our church to memorize those values. Our second one, it says this, we accept ourselves and others while we pursue maturity together. And so we're on the journey. We're traveling together with God, with one another. That maturity is a fuller life with God in his kingdom. It's a, it's a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that is what we are ever moving closer to as we mature in our walk with the Lord. Amen? Amen. So where are we going today? Uh, we're going to discover today that this is a supernatural life. This partnership that we have with God is a supernatural partnership. Uh, the word supernatural, it means beyond and above the natural. Beyond and above the natural. This is where God operates. It's the realm between heaven and earth, and it's the intermingling. It's the, it's the realm of interaction between God and people. And God wants his sons and daughters to live and to operate in that realm. And what we'll learn today is that this supernatural life is, again, I'll say it, a partnership, and it's a partnership that requires something called faith. Started my message by saying, let's just elevate faith in this house today, because it takes faith to have this exchange with the powerful presence of God. What is faith? Faith is trusting and resting in God's love and plan, even in the midst of daily life. Even in the hard things, even in the painful things, faith hangs on to God's love, clings to God's plan. And so let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll talk more about this supernatural life of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I just feel like jumping. I feel like dancing. God, you're going to move upon your church today. Lord, we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, we want so much more than just to hear words. We want to meet with you. We want to see our circumstances and situations or, or our hearts and our minds changed by the power of your spirit. And so we thank you for all of that transformative potential that is in this message today. And the whole church said, amen. Amen. I want to begin today's message by highlighting some of the evidence of faith that we have already seen expressed in this church. We often think of the supernatural signs and wonders, and, and I'm dialed in there too. I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in miracles. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But there are other things as well that sometimes we discredit as part of our faith journey. Worship requires faith. Raising your hands in church and declaring the word of God requires faith. There's a partnership with God. There's a joining the supernatural when we worship and when we pray together. Pastor Greg and I were celebrating this week with our administrative staff uh, generosity in our church, giving in our church. And we looked it up in our system. And did you know that in the past decade, just the past 10 years, we had our accounts administrator run a report, $7 million has been given by this church in the past 10 years. Isn't that amazing? It's awesome. Hallelujah. $7,082,000 to be exact. And the reward of that faith 
that you have expressed that it, through this partnership with God, this supernatural partnership is the, the facility that we're now in today, is multiple missions and ministries and hundreds of people, nearly 500 people between in person and online every Sunday that are encountered with the living God because of the seed of generosity that has been sown into this church. What else? Uh, sacrifice and service requires faith. We ran another report this week in our database. Did you know that 50 people every single week serve in this church in order for our ministries to function successfully? That doesn't include the staff. Our database shows 206 people serve at TFH Church every month. And what faith and what commitment that you are demonstrating as you continue to serve in all of these ways. How many of you know that forgiveness requires faith? Receiving forgiveness, giving forgiveness is an act of faith. Faith manifests as well in hope for life after death and eternity. We see that at funerals and memorial services. Peace that surpasses understanding demonstrates faith. When you're going through hard things, challenges, painful things, but you just have this profound sense of God's peace with you in the midst of that. Trust in God requires faith, even when we don't see miracles. And so again, I just want to encourage you, you are an awesome church. You are evidencing this life of faith every day, every Sunday. But in continuing on, I want to clarify something, and that is that faith is bigger and broader than we sometimes think. The Bible describes three kinds of faith in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it's the, it's the hall of faith. It's not the hall of fame, it's the hall of faith. And we are going to look at those three kinds of faith quickly before moving on to two Bible stories. So I'm going to share three kinds of faith with you, and then we're going to look at two stories in Luke chapter 1 that demonstrate these kinds of faith. So first we have faith that supersedes. Faith that supersedes. This is faith that keeps on believing even when there is no proof. Faith that keeps on keeping on, that presses on, that leans in even when there isn't an answer. Hebrews 11 verse 13, it says, each of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. I'm reading from the Message Bible right now. Faith that supersedes is the faith that doesn't give up even when the answer doesn't come. Maybe you experienced um, the death of a loved one the death of a close friend. You were praying for them. You went through a hope and a desire that was never fully realized, and that healing never happened. But these people, nonetheless, are called people of faith, who faithfully walk with God even while never seeing the promise fulfilled. I love the way this is said, they kept their hand in God's hand. <laughs> you got to keep your hand in God's hand. That is faith that supersedes. This next one is fun. This next one is powerful. This is the one that we all want. It's called faith that sees. 
Verse 33 says that through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions, fires, and sword thrusts. They turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, routed alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Wow, wow, wow. That is the faith that we want to experience. Amen? Faith that sees. Healings, resurrection, signs, wonders. Some of you have seen the supernatural kingdom breaking through into the natural world. And there are so many stories that we could share. I know that you have stories. I have a few stories myself. I was thinking this week about um, when I was in my early 20s, I damaged my right knee really badly as a tree planter. I tree planted in northern BC in northern Alberta for two summers. And after those two summers, my knee was awful. In fact, I could even feel like pieces and different things kind of shifting and whatnot in my knee. It was terrible. And so I just took it for granted, I'm going to have a gimped knee for the rest of my life. And then um, I met a missionary, and it was the most awkward timing because he was sitting down having his lunch. And I walked up to him and I said, can you pray for my knee? My knee is awful. It's totally messed up. Do you think God can heal a knee? And he's like, can God heal a knee? Come on, God can heal a knee. And so, um, to be honest, he didn't even place his hand on my knee. He called a child that was nearby. And this child came over and put his hand on my knee and said, can you pray for his knee? And I got instantly dizzy. I almost fell over. Shivers were going down my spine as I felt pieces of bone and fragment and different things shifting, moving very quickly in that knee. And then it was like, boom, it just like came back perfectly. And that was the crazy, that was the craziest thing I've ever experienced when it comes to healing. And I was like, yep, God's real. He's real. (laughs) So yeah, amen. (laughs) Amen. A few years ago, we were praying for somebody in our altar prayer ministry after the service. And this person came and had a brain tumor. And um, we were like, God can deal with this brain tumor. So we placed our hand on this person's head and prayed. And they shortly thereafter went to the doctor to have this surgically removed. And it was supposed to be incredibly like, complex and whatnot. But this tumor had completely detached, shriveled up, and it nearly fell out into the surgeon's hands. And so that's another example of like at the altar in this church, praying for people, a healing that took place. How many of you know that this church building is a representation of faith that sees? A building committee that said, we're going to cut a building in four pieces. We're going to move it down the highway. Alberta Transportation said, no, you're not. There's too many power lines. And we're like, we're going to move it across the fields (laughs) in the middle of winter. Amen. And so our building committee had a vision, and they had faith, and they saw the promise. They saw it fulfilled. Amen. Faith that sees. And praise God that there are so many stories that we could share about seeing the results of that faith. The last kind that I'll mention is really hard. And I think that some of you are in the midst of this kind of faith right now. Verse 24, Hebrews 11, it goes on and it says, By faith... 
Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic, soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than the Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. This next section is not on your slide, but it goes on, verse 37, and it says, there were those who under torture refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, resurrection. Others braved abuse and whips and chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in two, murdered in cold blood. Stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. That is quite the description of the early church, isn't it? Wow. But they're in the hall of faith. Amen. This could be eye-opening to some of you today, but again, it's, our, our faith is not always yielding that, that miracle that we're longing for. There are other kinds of faith. Faith that supersedes, it goes on when the answer doesn't come. Yes, we talked about faith that sees the victory, the healing, the peace, the result, it's all there. And then faith that suffers, the Bible still calls that faith. People who don't lose heart, they don't stop praying, they don't stop looking, even in the suffering, those are people of great faith. John 16, verse 32, it has Jesus speaking, and he says this, I have told you these things that you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us in the midst of the suffering faith. Amen? In the midst of the superseding faith. He's there. He's on the journey. He's in the middle, in the tension with us. And church, what I want you to know is that these categories exist for all of us. They do. In fact, if we're honest, we have lived through all of them, superseding, seeing, and sometimes suffering. Now, in those more difficult moments... How many of you have friends or contacts that have been angry at God? They've shaken their fist at God. Pastor Greg likes to say, we can shake our fist at God or we can take his hand in the midst of those moments. It's far better to take his hand. (laughs) It's far better to place your trust in him and to have faith in whatever this life may bring because there is an ultimate eternal payoff, amen? This life is but a breath. This life is but a glimpse. We're looking on to eternity. Well, now that we've looked at those three kinds of faith, we're going to transition to two examples of faith. And the first one that we're going to talk about is uh, Zechariah. We are now officially in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Pastor Greg told you, if you want to get ahead on the message next Sunday, read Luke chapter 1. And I was chatting with Stuart this morning, and he said, I did it. I did my devotions. I was reading Luke chapter 1 this week. So this is the birth of John the Baptist foretold, starting in verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot or lottery according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Let's stop there for a moment. I want to say, first of all, about this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, this is an awesome couple. This is a faithful couple. They served the Lord. They lived honorably, but they had been praying and believing for a child, and that child had not come. The text said they were very old. Have you ever been waiting? Have you ever been believing? hoping for something in your life for a long time, and you're still living in that disappointment, that superseding faith, waiting, longing, but you just keep going. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth, faithful without seeing the promise fulfilled. But in a moment of duty, an unusual blessing comes to this elderly couple. Zechariah is chosen to burn incense before God in the temple of the Lord, and the temple represented the presence of the Lord among the Jewish people. I just love the theology of this. This is amazing. And the burning of incense represented the prayers of the people, the prayers of the people that went up to the Lord day and night, many prayers awaiting answers, many prayers answered, and prayers of thanksgiving for the miracles and the wonders that had taken place through the prayers prayed in that temple. There were 24 divisions of uh, the priesthood, allowing each division to serve for two weeks each year, and there were 20,000 priests in Israel at that time. And so I want you to understand, to be chosen to go and serve in Jerusalem, what a privilege. I I mentioned the word, you know, by lot or by lottery, you know, to, to be able to go and serve. And so there were several lots cast to determine who got to. Uh, The first lot would determine uh, who would clean the altar and prepare the fire. That was the first one. The second one determined who would offer the morning sacrifice and sprinkle the altar and the candlestick and the altar of incense. And the third one, this is the one that Zechariah is chosen for. It determined who would come and offer incense. And this was the most privileged duty. I mean, this was a once in a lifetime opportunity that Zechariah had. He'd served year after year, he'd never been chosen, but today the lot fell to him. Again, think about the temple. Think about your prayers offered before God in church and in your devotional time. You know, some prayers answered in that temple, some prayers seemingly unanswered. Zechariah, Again, he's elderly, decades of faithfulness and living in honor is probably saying, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep praying. Just keep believing. He's there alone, praying, offering incense. And as a priest, he wouldn't only be praying for his family. uh, He would be praying for the kingdom of God to come in the nation of Israel, praying that the time of God's dwelling would rush in upon the nation. And yes, praying for his family that he would have a child. And then this happens. This is picking up in verse 11. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. No kidding. Imagine an angel showing up. Wow. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. John means favor. It's a good name. 
He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. That's a prayer to pray for our babies on Child Dedication Sunday, Thanksgiving Sunday, October 9th. May they be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will bring many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I love this. It's what you've been praying for. It's what Zechariah had been praying for for years and years and years. And, and maybe you've been in a situation where you have just been fervently praying, and then suddenly, boom, there it is, answered prayer, blessing, and what a prophecy. Not only are you going to have a son, Zechariah, he is going to be great in the eyes of the Lord and all mankind. He is going to prepare the way of the Savior and the Messiah that you've been waiting for. This is John the Baptist. This is the forerunner of Jesus. Wow. But then Zechariah has a crisis of faith. You know, people that have been Christians for 40 years can still have a crisis of faith. And that's what happens to Zechariah. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. That's a really nice way of saying my wife is really old. Yeah. <laughs> the angel said to him, and, and, and listen, church, I just get the sense from the angel that the angel is taken aback by Zechariah's response. It's like, why are you even questioning? He's, he's standing before an angel. Wow. The angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come to pass at their appointed time. What just happened? Suddenly we have a mute man in the story. Like, it's just like, what? Um, Zechariah hits a wall where his natural world requires supernatural intervention. Have you ever hit that wall in your life, in your family, in your finances, in your work, where your natural world requires a supernatural intervention? Zechariah was looking at himself. He was probably thinking about his wife. It's not going to happen. It's not going to have a baby. And it looks impossible. And even though he has been a faithful servant all his life, he now, in this critical moment, he stumbles into unbelief. And he asks the angel, how can this happen? And he even says, this is impossible. Listen to me now. Every Christian will experience a crisis of faith. Every single person in this room, you will go through those seasons. You will go through those times. If not now, maybe later. You'll go through things that are bigger than you. And you'll be asked to believe things that with your natural mind, you'll say, that's impossible. It can't happen. And you'll list your reasons. But will you hang on to the Lord? Will you look to his supernatural power? Will you partner with him in that situation? I want to tell you something, and that, that, that is that your words are so important. Your words are so powerful. The angel tells Zechariah, you are not going to be able to speak until this happens. It will happen. It will come to pass. And um, why was that? Why did the angel silence Zechariah? It's so that he could not speak the word of doubt. 
He could not speak the word of unbelief over that pregnancy, over that conception for the nine months to come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away your words because you're not going to speak the right words. Second Corinthians 4, it says this, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. Verse 16 says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Look, I want you to know something, and that that is that it's okay to be truthful about your situation. Because I've encountered a kind of faith before where people say, I better not be honest about how I feel. I better not utter a word. The doctors are saying this. This is what they're saying. I want you to know it's okay to be truthful about your situation. This is the physical reality of the situation that I am in. And something I learned from Kathy Fraser many years ago, Kathy Fraser is one of our elders, she said that there are facts in this world but then there's the truth of God's word. And which do you think is greater? Which do you think is more powerful? We recognize two realities, two sides to our situation, and we say, Lord, this is an impossible situation, but God, help me to trust you. God, help me to trust you according to your word. Zechariah didn't sin in asking a question. God can handle our questions. God can handle our weeping. God can handle our crying out to him. God can handle our anger even. But his sin was that he did not follow up that emotion and that question by saying, but Lord, I know that you can do it, even if it's impossible. I know that you can. The angel is speaking blessing of the life of Zechariah's son that was about to be born Zechariah finds himself unable to speak words of unbelief and doubt over that child's life. Some of you may be facing impossible challenges right now, but the life of faith says, speak life, stand up, lift up your head, pray, declare, hold on, don't lose heart. And yeah, you're gonna have those moments where you cry and those moments where you're like, I can't do this. I mean, that's why we have spouses, and that's why we have church family, and that's why we have friends and these people that link arms with us and say, let's do this. We're with you. We're praying with you. What is so awesome about this story is that even though Zechariah stumbles, God is still faithful, and I want to encourage you with that. I was thinking about it. That angel could have said, you blew it. The moment you said, "This, this can't happen, I'm an old man, God took it away gone. But that doesn't happen. Isn't that awesome? Second Timothy 2.13, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. When we are faithless, God remains faithful, and he often gives us another opportunity to respond in faith. And that actually comes later when uh, little John, little John the Baptist is born. <clears throat> See, later on, when Zechariah's words align with God's promises, suddenly he is able to speak again. Verse 59, it says this, on the eighth day when they came to circumcise the child, so this is nine months later, they were going to name him after his father Zechariah, but his mother spoke up and said, he's to be called John, because that was the prophecy that Zechariah received in the temple. 
They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he said, his name is John. He came into agreement with the angel. And immediately, verse 64, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And let me tell you, I wish we could include it in this message. There is a, pro- a prophecy about John the Baptist that follows this moment. And it's like, it's like John was just, just like pent up with all of this belief in, in seeing God move and seeing his wife's belly get bigger throughout those nine months. And he just begins declaring the goodness of God the mercy of God over his family, over the nation, his tongue is released with belief. What are we learning here? Be truthful with God about your situation and your concerns, but then anchor your situation to God and anchor your situation to his word. You might just see the reward of that faith. Now, um, that's Zechariah's story in Luke chapter one. We're gonna look at one more before we close our time together and we pray, and that is the faith journey of Mary. This is the birth of Jesus foretold, and so let's keep going. Verse 26 says this about Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so this is at the same time, basically, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Again, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. (laughs) Let's pause there. I want you to listen to Mary's response. First thing she says, and this is going to remind us a little bit of Zechariah in the temple, she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? She asks a question. The angels answer. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Mary doesn't say it's impossible. She, she does say, I'm a virgin, I can't have a baby, how is this going to happen? But then she says, I am the Lord's servant, verse 38, may your word to me be fulfilled, and then the angel left her. And so, three quick points about Mary. First of all, Mary is selected. She is a teenager. She's a teenage follower of God. She is selected to enter into this faith journey of giving birth to Jesus. And there is an awesome parallel in this chapter because you and I are selected. We are selected to do this as well. We are bearing the Son of God. We are bearing Christ in our own unique situations. John 15 and verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I have appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. 
Each and every person in this room has been chosen. You have been selected to live a supernatural life of faith. And we have the privilege, and yes, sometimes the challenge, of bearing Christ to our world. Secondly, in this story, not only was Mary selected, Mary was surprised. (laughs) She's a young woman. She is from a poor community. Nobody thought much of Nazareth. Remember what they said about Jesus? Can anything good come from Nazareth? But God wants to surprise us every day. Sometimes in this supernatural partnership that God wants to have with you, you might find yourself in moments where you're like, me? Really? You, you want to do this through me? You want me to have children? You want me to start a business? You want me to fill in the, the blank? God's like, yeah, you. I, I have my hand on your life. I have something for you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. God wants to surprise us every day in having children and going to work and managing our finances, our health in our bodies and in everything. And so I encourage you, you are being selected even though you may be surprised by that. But ask the question, God, where are you working around me? Where are you inviting me to join you? Where do I need to trust you, God? I urge you to respond in faith and not in fear and unbelief. And then lastly, Mary surrenders. Amen? She was selected. Yeah, she was surprised, but then she's like, let's do it. (laughs) I surrender. Like Zechariah, Mary questions how this is gonna happen because it's impossible. Gabriel explains this is gonna be a miracle. This is gonna be the work of the Holy Spirit. Mary would have to bear the shame of being a teenage um, pregnant woman with Jesus, but she surrenders to God and his will for her. And my question for you in closing is, what is God asking you to surrender to? What is he wanting to do in and through your life? And I'll invite the band to come now. Hallelujah, because it's, it's just tangible in this room right now that each and every one of you are walking through situations and, and some of you are superseding and pressing in and leaning in in faith and there hasn't been an answer and, and some of you, you're, you're in it. You've seen the results. You're now walking in the miracle and the wonder and God's working and then some of you, you're suffering. And that faith story is really hard right now. And God is saying, will you trust me? Will you love me? Will you surrender to me even in the midst of what you're going through? Um, The good news is, in the end, we win. (laughs) Isn't that encouraging? We know the ending. Revelation chapter 21, it, it talks about the reward of faith, a new heaven and a new earth. And I wanna read that in closing today. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Praise Jesus. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
Then he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy. They're true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the forgiveness of our sins and the sanctification that we have through relationship with him. Hallelujah. Church, we are being invited into a life of faith. This is it. I, I don't want to live a Christian life where it's just, this is no more than just, again, I said it at the beginning, a, a habit, something that we do where it's just like, yeah, this is fun. We get to sing some songs together. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the presence of God. And if you're wavering, and if you're weary this morning, I just bless you. I just pray strength into you in Jesus' mighty name. Sometimes your faith is superseding. Sometimes it's seeing. Maybe for a few of you, it's suffering. You and I are chosen by God to bear Jesus in our everyday lives and realities. And in response to today's message, will we heed that? Will we surrender to that? Why don't we stand together right now? And we're going to sing this song with faith. And let me pray for you before we do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I just pray for people in this room that are walking through promises but maybe also walking through disappointments and hardships, Lord, would you lift their heads? Would you lift their spirits? God, I pray for faith to arise. I pray for just that supernatural intermingling between heaven and earth to take place. Holy Spirit, would you carry each one forward into your promises, God, and give us the strength and the courage, God, and the patience and the perseverance to believe you, Jesus, and to step forward in faith like Mary and say, may your words about me be true, <laughs> and your words about my family, and your words about this situation. Let faith arise even as we sing this song together now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.